Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Talking on the parables of Jesus and from Mark. Let's open our Bibles to Mark and let's review chapter 4, verse 21. We talked about the lamp. I brought a lamp up. I brought a lamp stand up, an end table. And we talked about that. I had a blanket and we talked about all those type of things. But what, what are you going to take away from this? How are you going to use this message to do what God has said? We want to talk about application. That's what we want to talk about. Now, in this parable from last week, let's review just a little bit. In verse 21, it says, A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to put on the, on the lampstand? Now, now, I'm not going to review the whole thing, but all, all I'm saying here is that there's a purpose God is saying this thing about a lamp. Light. When they brought the flashlight up, it's very, very important. Now, let me explain how important that is. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. Let's go there and, and see what he said about that. Because we're going to switch over to the spiritual realm. We know that a flashlight, we know that a lamp, we know all those type of things are natural examples that the people understood. Because we said that a parable was taking a spiritual truth and laying it beside something they understood in the natural. So they understood a lamp. They understood a light, a candle. They understood all that. But now, what was the spiritual significance of what he was talking about? And if we go to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, and we go to verse 12, we can pick it up there. And it says, Then Jesus spoke, again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So that's, that's very important, because when Rachel and Emily came down the aisle, they, and it, and it was dark in the place except for the door opened a couple, one time, we, we, we wanted to make sure that they knew that if they didn't follow that light, they're going to trip over these stairs right here because you couldn't see it. And so therefore, Jesus is saying, I am the light. I am the light. He's not a flashlight. He's not a candle. He's not a lamp that I brought in. He is the light. And he is not only the light, light, but he's the life. Okay? That's what it says here. He says that I am the light, and he who follows me, rather than a flashlight or a candle or whatever, we can cut the lights on regardless of that. He said he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because he is not only light, but he is life. He is what Jacks like to like to teach on and say he is a Zoe. Isn't he a Zoe? Zoe? He's a Z-O-E. Z-O-E, he's Zoe. Now what that means he is life. I mean, there is no that's eternal life. He is you don't have eternal life unless you're following Jesus. There's no life. No life whatsoever. So we wanted to wanted to hit that just for a minute there. And we sang some songs, boy, my goodness gracious. Just like every song that we were singing, I said, whoa, that's part of the message too. Oh, that's part of the I said, 
give me that song. Where is it, that song, man? I said, that's good. Because he was saying, when you move, I'll move. I will follow you. When, who you love, I'll love. That those words are not just words that we put on paper and just say, we need to waste some time here. Let's sing some words. No, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, God has gifted people to write songs, and they write songs, and we put it to music because they speak of him. They, they help us to, when you, when you learn songs, you learn more about him. People can learn songs, and they were saying in the, in a lot of times in the inner city that um, you have to use creativity in teaching kids, and those kids... They were learning more than some of the ones who were not from the inner city because the teachers knew how to creatively get them to learn things. So they put them in, in, in words because they, they, they knew how to rap. They knew how to, how, how to uh, uh, remember words. And they put the educational things by rap, by music. And, oh, they knew it all because they learned it by rap. So when you put songs up there, when we sing, listen to the words. And, and those words are, are really good. Thank you, Linda, for coming up and sharing uh, some of the things that, like, um, you know, we, we want to give ourselves away as healing for the nation and things like that. And Minerva saying that uh, it's very important for us to use what we have. That's very, very important. And thank you for sharing that and encouraging us in those things. Now let's look at a, another place that's very important. Let's look at Luke 11. Let's go there, verse 33. In Luke eleven thirty three, we're still talking about light, but keep in mind who the light is. So Luke eleven thirty three. Now the backdrop is this: is that uh, the Pharisees they wanted a sign, another sign, and they didn't want to follow him. Their heart was not right, and he said, "I'm not going to give you a sign. You've already seen a sign." And uh, you know, just like um, uh, when, when when the children of this age. In the judgment day, then you're going to have Jonah and the people of Nineveh rise up and the, the people of Nineveh are going to say, hey, I can't believe that, uh, that, that you wouldn't believe because they're going to be a testimony against you. The, the, the queen of the south with Solomon, uh, you know, it, it'll be a testimony against you because she listened to Solomon, they listened to Jonah, and Jesus said, hey, a greater than, than Jonah is here, or greater than the queen of the south is here, but you won't listen. So that's the backdrop of verse 33. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under, away in the cellar, nor on a basket, but on the lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. So Jesus is the light, and he's not going to hide. He's going to let the light be known. And it says that the eye is the lamp of the body. Now he goes to a natural example. When the eye is clear, meaning it's healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, meaning it's, it's defective, something's wrong with your eyes, you might be blind, you might can't see, whatever, because of cataracts, whatever the situation may be, it's bad, your body is full of darkness. He said, then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. Now he, he goes back over to the spiritual realm. Because, see... The light in people can be darkness because they're thinking, like the Pharisees are thinking that, oh, you know, we have Moses as our, our, our father. No, 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 no. And Abraham is our father. All these things. No, Jesus is the light. And you, you're thinking about you have the light. You don't have the light. You think about all the religions in the world. Uh, the, the people in India, they might think they have light in them because they have religion. But Hinduism is not light. 
So the light in them is really darkness. Uh, whether it be uh, uh, Islam or, or they're following Muhammad or whoever they're they, they following as their prophet, is they're following a false god is not going to help them because the light in them is darkness. Now, he says, be careful that the light in you is not darkness. Now, we can't, as Christians, have dark spots because what we can do is start believing a lie about something. And, and people do that also. They did it in the Old Testament. They did it in the, in the New Testament. They did it in the epistles. Uh, sometimes uh, we pick up doctrines that are not, not like of demons. It says that in the Bible. So we don't want to do that. What we want to do is, is make sure that, that the light in us is light. It's Jesus. He wants, to, he wants to illuminate our whole body. He doesn't want to have a partial corner of our body, of our heart, our mind, our will, and emotions. That's what our heart is. He wants to have it all. So he wants a pure, uh, undefiled brain, heart, uh, our mind, our will, our emotions. So we have to work on that to, so, so that we won't have these strongholds and these, uh, all these shackles on us. We don't want that. Let's go to... Matthew five fourteen. We're still talking about light. Matthew five fourteen. How can we use this? How can we use it? He says in John, "I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world." But now he says, "You are the light of the world." Now he switched over. Oh, now we have to know, oh, if he's the light, how can we be the light? How can we really be the light? Well, let's go to a natural example. Let me see my hand in a parable. How about this? All of you know science, I'm sure. I'm the only one who probably don't know a lot of science because I didn't pay attention in school on that. <laughs> I paid a lot of attention in physical ed. But um, <laughs> as I did, but you think about it now. When I see the moon, I say, "Oh, the moon is shining bright. We have a full moon out there. Boy, a lot of light on the moon." Wrong. The moon, I'm told by science, <laughs> does not produce light. That the moon, when we see the light of the moon, we're actually seeing the reflection because the sun is shining on the moon and we get the reflection from the moon. Am I right, scientists? <laughs> so really, we're like the moon when it says in, that we are the light of the world. And, of course, Jesus is the sun. S-O-N, capital S-O-N, as well as <laughs> in the natural S-U-N, he is the sun. So therefore, it's like that. We get our light because we are in him. Our life is hid in, with Christ in God, the scripture says. So therefore, when you see Jesus, he said, you've seen the Father. We should be saying, when you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. That's what we should be saying. Because the moon can say, when you see me, you see the sun. Is that correct? I mean, that's correct. The moon doesn't have any light whatsoever. 
But when you look at the moon and you see the moon, you are seeing the sun, the light of the sun. So when we are the light of the world, we are, they are, they, the people are seeing the light that Jesus is reflecting through us in the Holy Spirit. So we are excited about that. And so therefore, when we put, when we put that into foot leather every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when we go outside, a city set on a hill cannot be hit. We cannot uh, be a light and then put it on a basket, it says, or on a lampstand uh, 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 to, to, to do anything but show light. We're supposed to be the light that the world sees. We're supposed to be Linda, the, the healing for the nations. We're supposed to be that because we are representing Jesus Christ. And God says, I want your light in you to be fully illuminated. I don't want any darkness in you, so we want you to get those dark spots out. And said, so let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That was the purpose of the message two weeks ago on the, the lamp. And that's what Jesus had in mind teaching us. And he, te- he taught them a lot of different parables. One parable, parable does not show the total kingdom of God. It shows a part of it. So he gives gives part of the kingdom in a lot of different parables. Let's go back to Mark. Chapter 4. That's where we have been studying through the summer. And we are going to end that next week and start on a series. It's called Fear. But we'll still be in Mark uh, some also. So in, Ma- in Mark chapter 4, let's go to the next parable. Well, well let's finish that parable, really. Uh, the, the, one, the one there, I'll just read it. It says that if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, take care of what you listen to. Not only what you listen to, in another verse it says, another version says, who you listen to. Because whoever has, to him will be given and whoever does not have, even what he has, or think he has, and Luke says, will be taken away. Now let's go to the next parable. The seed. How is that going to reflect the kingdom of God? He was saying in verse 26, Mark 4:26, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. Oh, okay. How does that work? And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. And the seed sprouts and grows. How he himself does not know. Now, what he's saying is that he's, he goes to bed, gets up, goes to bed, gets up. It's just repetition. Uh, time passes while the seed is in the soil, but then it grows. It comes up. It says the soil produces crops by itself. And when it says by itself, it means it's automatos. Uh, we get our word automatic from. It's meaning that it's not done by human effort. This is a God thing. We can't make a seed sprout and grow. Uh, but God said, if you put it in the, in the correct soil, I will cause it to grow. And so he causes it to grow. And I really don't know how because I'm not on the ground to see it. But I know it works. How about you? It works. Okay. And it says that first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. Then it says, but 
when the crops permit, meaning when it's ripe, he immediately puts the sickle forth because the harvest has come. So anytime you plant a garden, say you plant whatever seeds you plant and it grows up, then you're ready to have some watermelons and so you have some cabbage, you have all those type of things that you, you grow and you can partake of it. But we don't know how it grows. We know if we put it in the correct soil, it's going to grow because God will cause it to grow. And we know we have to have rain. We know we have to have sunshine. But who provides that? God does. Okay. Now, when we think about that, how can we apply that? How can we apply this particular parable to our lives today, tomorrow, or during the week, the rest of our lives? Well, when you really think about it, if it's going to grow automatically, the seed, we know he's not talking about, he didn't want to waste his time talking about a natural example and then with no spiritual thing because it wouldn't be a parable. It would just be a story. And he's not in the, in the wasting his time, like Minerva said, just telling stories. There's going to be a spiritual principle behind it. What is the spiritual principle behind the seed growing automatically? Well, let's look, look at uh, Acts 19. Let's go there. Let's see what... what, uh, what, what what some of the men of God was doing there. Let's look in verse 8 of chapter 19. Let's start there. He says, And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So we're still talking about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years so that all who live in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So now, if we know that the seed, if planted in the proper soil, is going to grow automatically by God, then we need to be sowing seeds. From the parable of the sower sows the seed, which we started with those parables, the seed, come on, tell me, is the word of God. So Paul here is in the school of Tyrannus. What he's doing is proclaiming the word of the Lord. He's just planting seeds. But look what God does in verse 11. God, you remember we said that if the, if the seed is in the soil, the correct soil, what happens to the soil? What happens to the seed? It starts producing first the Okay, the blade is in the ear, the full. In other words, God's going to cause it to grow. Paul is out here taking forth the word. We need to be taking forth the word out in our, our workplaces, out in the supermarket, out in the, in the um, what, what they're going to open up this place called what? Fresh Market? You know, go, go out there. God might have a divine appointment for you. Don't just go, you know, to get the free food they might have. You know, get, you know just <laughs> because it's a free samples, you know. Eight o'clock in the morning on Wednesday morning. Hey, hey, you know, get up early. Go there and get some free samples. No, I want, I want some divine appointments. 
See, I want some divine appointment because a lot of people are going to be out there. Everybody likes something new. They're going to go out there. So go out there maybe. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Don't, look, don't sit there and say, I'm not going out there. God doesn't want me to go out there. I'm not going anywhere. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because I think the song that you're singing is that we're not on. I can't sing. Is that not on, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're not our own see? so, so we got we, we to go where he goes right that's what we got to do <laughs> God was performing extraordinary when I saw that extraordinary miracle what are extraordinary miracles a miracle is extraordinary is it <laughs> so what's extraordinary miracles it must have been something right it must have been something exciting by the hands of Paul now, who was performing it? Paul? God. Who will be performing it at Fresh? What you say it was called? Fresh Market. What is it going to be? Who is it, who's it going to be doing it? You or is it going to be God? God. God. It'll be God at the workplace. God in the supermarket. God wherever. It's going to be God doing something, but you're going to have to open your mouth. You're going to have to go. You're going to have to do something. All right? As much as I like some to do certain things, God's not going to, because I like to watch movies, God is not going to, old movies too, they're good too. Uh, but anyway, God is not going to bring any of those people off their screen into my den so I can witness to them. Is that correct? You know, you, he might. <laughs> Extraordinary miracle, right? Extraordinary miracle. <laughs> that would be an extraordinary miracle. Or Universal of South Carolina, I think, played Georgia. Don't tell me who won because won, I have a T-boarder for me. But, uh, <laughs> but it's not going to, I don't care how many people, uh, you know, they, they, they tackled or ran touchdowns or whatever the game outcome was. If you're sitting there watching it, it's not going to do what? You're not going to give you an opportunity to save a soul unless you have a party at your house, invite some unsaved people to watch the game or to watch the movie. Now, we can do something. Yeah? I think uh, Elder Sam likes, likes to watch one movie. I forgot what it was. LC, that's right. Five-hour movie. You know? <laughs> Never... Don't watch L.C. with L.L. Sam, I'm telling you. Okay? <laughs> if you invite somebody, you know, unsaved, man, now you can have an opportunity. But until then, we have to get out of our seats. We have to get out into the workplace. We have to get out into the marketplace. And we have to do what, what God has told us to do, what Paul was doing. Listen to what he said. So that, these extraordinary miracles now, he was doing so much through the hands of God, the hands of Paul, so that, Handkerchiefs were even carried. Y'all want you want no handkerchief? No, because I wipe my nose. But anyway, uh, but now he might have had a handkerchief. Might have he wiped his nose with it. But regardless, our aprons might have some have something on it. Whatever they were carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. Now, you tell me, you tell me that that's not good stuff. 
You, you tell me that God doesn't want us doing that. All he wants us doing is to come to church, sit and, and listen to a message, sing some song, look, watch a skit, whatever it is, go home, do our thing and never do anything for the kingdom. That is not that is not kingdom. That's not kingdom. God wants us doing something. So I asked the, the, uh, some of our, our college students who've been here four years, I said, look, this is what I want you to do. Um, this is the idea that, that Minerva had. She wants to go to the trailer course because she got that while she was praying, trailer course. Oh, what was that? Um, I want you to go to the trailer course, and we're going to have a minister to the trailer course. We got some in Lynchburg, you know. And, um, and that's what Tyler told me that he had done, that their church did this summer. Is that, that right? You did something like that. When the trailer calls, I said, hey, good, man. You got it, brother. You're going to lead it. You and, the, you and your famous four. Maybe we got, <laughs> maybe we got five. We're going to give them a ministry to go out to do something, and we're going to be a part of that ministry, but they're going to lead it. Because they've been here long enough to have a group, so they're starting a, a small group. Uh, at their house, a life group at, at, at their apartment, and they're going to have people over there, and they're going to do the works of ministry. And I hope we hear it all through Lynchburg. People getting saved, people getting healed, people getting, you know, extraordinary miracles are happening over there in those apartments. You know, people line up to get there. Also, going to the trailer, of course, all of us can, can uh, join in when we have time to do that. And, and they, they need the gospel. We got to get out of the seats and do something. That's why we, we had the, um, was the Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center to come. That's why we had Gleaning for the World to come. Is that we have to get our, our, out of our seats and do something to help proclaim what Jesus said, doing good works. That's what we need to do. Give God an opportunity to move through us. That's the application of the seed grows automatically. We have to get, put it out there. If you don't put the seed in the soil... It's not going to grow. As long as it's in the bag, in the seed bag, sitting on the shelf, nothing's going to happen. But we can take that thing and, and spread it out in our communities. It'll grow. Wherever your community is, it'll grow. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9, just to show you something that I thought might be important. In verse 1 it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you, as to spiritual, but men of the flesh as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. Now, how are they fleshly? It says, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not, you are not fleshly and are you not Walking like mere men. So he doesn't expect us to be jealous and strife or walking like just human beings. He, he expects us to be spiritual. Spiritual because we are spiritual beings. We are born of a spirit. God is spirit. For when one says, I am a Paul, and another says, I am a Apollos, are you not mere men? For what then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe, even as the Lord gave opportunity for each one. I planted Apollos water, but God was causing the growth. 
God causes the growth. I don't care who it is. It says in verse 7, so then neither one of you, then, so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are all God's workers and we're God's field. So it's important. I wanted to bring that out because it's important to know that it's not our job to do anything but sow. It's our job. It's not our job to determine when the increase is coming. We might be the 10th one that's, that's telling this person about Jesus Christ. But we have to know that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't have to be jealous of the, of the next one who, oh, who's going to do it. I, I want to get the increase here. I, I, want, I want to lead the person to the Lord. No, I don't care who leads them to the Lord. All I'm going to do is do what God tells me to do is take the word out there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to scatter the seed and see what, what, what happens to it because I know it can grow automatically. I know that somebody's going to water it. I know somebody's going to say something. And that can happen anytime. We don't know when it's going to be. When, what did he say about the thief? You remember the thief? That was, um, where was the thief at? Hanging, with, hanging on the cross on one side of Jesus? How was his heart? Was his heart ready? Did he have any thorns? You remember the, the, the parable of the soul? So was it on rocky soil? He was, before that, he was mocking Jesus just like the other one was. But somehow God saw that that man's heart was ready because he, he, he said, hey, leave, leave, leave him alone. He's not, we, we deserve what we get. He doesn't deserve it. And Jesus said to him, and then, today you will be with me in where? So how was his heart? He didn't have time to hold on to the thing and, and for the thorns to grow up. He didn't have time for anything because he was about to die. But God knows a person's heart. All we have to do is just sow the seed, sow the word. We don't know what's going to happen. But God, he's a miraculous God. We live in the supernatural because we are spiritual beings. And we are in Christ, in God. So that means that everything we're supposed to do, we're supposed to be thinking supernatural, supernatural. So anytime you plant a seed, anytime you tell somebody about Jesus Christ, that person can get saved that day, then, and die. And still be saved and go to heaven. We don't know. But we got to get the word out there, don't we? Okay, now let's go to Mark. The mustard seed. Verse 30. And he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? That's Mark 4, verse 30. Or by what parable shall we present it? He's presented different ways. It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, Though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil. So he's talking about, uh, they say, my sources say, it's talking about probably the black mustard, and it's like a, uh, used as like a condiment. And it is really, really small, probably about the, probably about the size of a point of a, of a pen, like a needle, a point of a needle. It's that small. Now, what he's doing here, it says in verse 30, Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large 
branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. We want to be careful with parables that we don't try to uh, make something out of every little thing that you read. Basically, this is comparing the kingdom of God, how, just think of a small seed here. And they knew what he was talking about because they knew natural examples. Small thing grew up to be a large plant. Big branches so that even birds can nest in it. Well, how about the king? How's the God, kingdom of God like that? Didn't it, didn't it start small? It starts real small. Yeah. John the Baptist comes. He tells them to repent. One's coming after me. And I'm not you know, worthy to take the sandals off his feet. I'm not the light. But he who's coming is the light. And here comes Jesus. Jesus gets disciples. Then he has 120. Upper room. Pentecost comes. He leaves. Uh, before that Pentecost came, then he left. And then Pentecost came, and then the whole world was turned upside down. Can you think the small beginning, and we are still carrying on his work? Look how big the work is now. And it's still growing. Still growing. All over the world, the gospel is being proclaimed in all nations. So that's how the kingdom is. So that's what God wanted to share with us in Mark, these parables. Uh, what I wanted us to do is, is soak that in and let's go out and do what we already know to do. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.